Do you uh, do you typically do the solo, or do you always try to find a guest? Um, oh, the new stuff. I've I've done both. Um, I like having I like having guests on because you know it's not me just talking into the void uh, for you know an hour. <laughs> but, exactly. Uh, yeah. You're gonna have to walk me through the uh, the f- framework on this one. You're oh, have to hold my hand. I'll I'll walk you through it, Kent. I think the the first thing to address, um, you know, anytime that we look at the structure of the uh, episodes here is to acknowledge first and foremost that you're in the savage land welcome back to the savage land i am jason and today uh we i decided that it was it was getting too long between episodes and so i I pulled in a ringer pulled in a guest uh, to fill in next week, we have an episode with Matt and Rachel back finally, and hopefully we'll get back onto a uh, somewhat regular schedule now that Rachel's all moved and I sort of have weekends again um, and all that stuff. But this week, I'm enlisten- enlisting the help of uh, my friend Kent Heidelman. Welcome to the Savage Land, Kent. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here, Jason. Of course. It's, uh, it's your second time back on the show. I think it's your third time in the feed since the first episode of our podcast, Comic Book Workshop, uh, was posted on this feed as well. Um, oh, but, awesome. Yeah. So people have, uh, they know me. They know your voice. They know who, they know who you are. Um, yeah, f- for those of you who don't know, Kent and I also host a podcast uh, on this very same network called Comic Book Workshop. It's uh, it's all about making comics, so if you're curious about that stuff, feel free to go check it out at thatmightbecool.com. Uh, but Kent, we ain't got we ain't got time to bullshit around today. This it's been weeks since we had a proper episode on this feed, so you know San Diego happened, all the fallout from that. It's 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 been a wild and crazy time. So we got to catch people up on what's going on in the world of comics right now. I, I need to be caught up as well. That is one of the reasons why my skills have been enlisted. I have a very particular set of skills, and that is not being up to date with news. <laughs> it's a very it's a very particular set of skills. It's really it's a it's a miracle. Um, <laughs> I so I'm, I'm ready to be dazzled with your stunning news. I, but that's the funny thing is I this is probably my favorite way to get news is someone reading it to me. <laughs> That's that's that it's a uh, comic news. It's not like whatever you know, the oh, yeah. stock market's up or down or something. I mean, I you know, that. there's always that too. Um, yeah. Do you do you know uh, about Image Plus? Uh, Image Comics' very own magazine. I have purchased some issues, but I have, and I have. You know what? I've read an article or two in them. Oh, that's uh, that's unusual for me. <laughs> yeah. I, so I have a good idea of what we're talking about they have a magazine that comes out with previews yeah it's it's like previews and also um you know like interviews and and kind of like they even actually will publish uh comics in there so they've been like scott snyder and jock have been doing um their second volume of witches in the pages of uh image plus oh yeah that's that's cool that's an interesting way to to do it so that's that that's the first release of volume two is through mm-hmm. image plus yeah it's been it's been coming out in uh uh 12 parts and i think they're 10 pages each um that's crazy it's uh it's coming to an end though with uh with this week's uh image plus number 12 uh which is bad egg is what it's called uh part 12 is coming out there and this will be the last chapter in uh which is bad egg Oh, so no, Image Plus isn't ending, it's, it's just Witches. Well, see, that's, that's the unfortunate part. Oh. Image Plus is oh. also ending. 
Oh God! I sorry. I feel like I made that happen. Yeah, I think just you made that question. happen. Actually, I think that was they just did that because. Sorry, of you. Image Plus. I yeah. I, I supported yeah. you. I bought like four issues. Yeah, it's it's real bad. Um, yeah, it's that's I, a bummer. I, I I know it is kind of a bummer. I'm not sure why they're ending it. They didn't really say. Um, it's been. I I know that um David Brothers, uh, who was formerly the uh, editor of the magazine as well as the brand manager uh, for Image, um. David left the company uh, a few months oh. ago, and um, it's. I think that without him there, it's kind of been a little different, and maybe just harder to to kind of keep going or something. And so maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe it didn't. Um, either way, image. He Plus was. Uh, he was from Comics Alliance, right? David Brothers, possibly. I know he was. David Brothers did a lot of comics related stuff, and I think that Comics Alliance was probably part of that. Um, but he like he hosted. Don't pretend that he was from Comics Line. Yeah, why not? I know he did do comics criticism. I just can't remember where. Um, he also uh, hosted Image's short-lived podcast, The I Word, that is uh, actually a great resource if you want to go check it out. I think it's still up on iTunes and everything. Um, but he's, I mean, David's a great wow. guy, and you'll still find him at like panels at Comic Con and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, he he left Image to pursue other things, so I think that probably had something to do with Image Plus coming to an end without him there to shepherd it. Uh, but who knows? Sense. Well, we should uh, we should headhunt him for for this network <laughs> with, <laughs> yeah, all the, with all the money that's pouring out of our pockets. We got all this TMBC money. Let's let's just get a David Brothers <laughs> podcast in the mix. Well, that's a bummer. I I I bought some issues and I I'd read some articles and they were legitimately amazing articles. Yeah, uh, I really um, outside of outside of uh, panel by panel magazine. Uh, the that's, that's I really enjoyed. To, <laughs> I really enjoyed. I was just saying, like, is it bittersweet because it's a really cool magazine that you love and that sucks? But is Kill it the sweet because it's you're just cutting off uh, the head of the competition? That's that's pretty good competition. Hey, so look, for them to drop out. That's image whew. image plus didn't get nominated for an eisner that's all i'm saying <laughs> um well uh that's uh you you're getting one step closer to the uh, edge and eisner, i'm about to break eisner uh gold or something yeah one step closer um that's that's big news though big yeah news. it is it's it's unfortunate uh the next bit of news has to do with warren ellis um i don't know if you're subscribed to warren ellis's newsletter but it's a pretty good time uh he uh he'll send out a newsletter once every week and and it's uh he'll include fun anecdotes and also updates on various projects and things like that um i like warren okay. ellis he's like your drunk english grandfather you know absolutely or uncle. i think that's a great description uh but i hadn't heard about his um newsletter it was who was the the forums that was him person? as well was that him? yeah this is oh, okay, this okay, is kind yes, of like his way good. of continuing that without having to manage a bunch of uh a bunch of internet people that sounds like a much more manageable way so what's uh so what's going on with warren ellis well the thing with warren ellis is uh in his uh in his newsletter this last week he announced that um his pop-up imprint the Wildstorm. Uh, is still going strong, actually, despite, you know, like Young Animal came to an end Oof. recently um, and yeah. stuff like that. Wildstorm is still going strong. Uh, the uh, first spinoff book, Michael Cray, which was written by a uh, friend of the show, Brian Hill, um, that book is coming to an end soon. It's concluding its, you know, planned uh, ending. Um, and after Michael Cray comes to an end, uh, they will be launching uh, a new Wildcats book, which was the first Wildstorm book back in the Image days. Um, Whoa. As well, I know, right? Uh, as well as a Zealot title. Um, okay. 
Uh, I watched the Wildcats cartoon in the 90s. (laughs) That was actually pretty pretty awesome. I I unabashedly love the Wildcats. Um, Grifter, man. Yeah. Uh, But it's so in terms of, um, you know, the progress and stuff like that. I mean, there's a script already written for Wildcats um, or I think maybe for Zealot. uh, And then there's a Bible for uh, for Wildcats that's uh, already in his files and being refined. Um, but that is coming up basically once uh, Michael Cray wraps up. Uh, we can start seeing more of those Warren Ellis Wildstorm titles, which have been really, really good. Um, both the Wildstorm and uh, Michael Cray have been excellent titles that I highly recommend picking up. So exciting to see wow. that they're continuing with more expansion on that particular pop-up imprint. Yeah, for a second there, I was worried you were going to say that the imprint was holding under as well. <laughs> like, this is really terrible. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So that's awesome. More <laughs> else uh, doing stuff. Uh, I'm also yeah. interested now in that uh, that newsletter that you mentioned. So to me, that was twice the, twice yeah, the news. All that all that nuggety juice. Um, yeah, if you go to Warren Ellis' Twitter, Jeez. he's got all of his uh, information for all that stuff. But if you're a Warren Ellis fan, then I definitely recommend his newsletter. Um, cool. Uh, in other news, my favorite current ongoing comic series, Mr. Miracle, uh, number 11 has been delayed. Uh, it's been pushed Whoa. back three weeks. I know. It's only a 12-issue series, so there's the, the delays have kind of been coming on the last three issues. Um, I know a lot of stuff has happened in Mitch Garrods' life, and, and you know, kind of getting caught up, that can be a, a real pain, because as soon as you get behind it all, it's like it just, it's a, it's a wave that takes you over. Um. And I mean, I don't blame well, him. The fact that he was able to go nine issues with no delays when he's uh, doing pencils, inks, and colors on this series is pretty impressive. He's doing colors as well? Yeah. I knew he was crazy enough to do uh, pencils and inks. But he was nominated geez. for the Eisner for all three of those categories. Uh, he won as best pen... pen- yeah. He won but as best pencil or inker. I knew he won inker. for something, but he got nominated for all three? Yeah, he got nominated for pencil or inker, and then he also got nominated for colors. Wow. Yeah. That's so. crazy. Well, congrats to him on the the win. I, that was the only piece, one of the few pieces of news that I was like, yeah, I already know that. I'm cool. <laughs> I, I, I know the Mitch Garrett's won at Eisner. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, Mr. Miracle number 11 is going to be released um, August 29th, uh, and then number 12th will be coming out October 10th, and that is the last issue of the series. And good God, mm. is it just, it's, I, I, it's, uh, they're torturing us, like in terms Here comes of just the power like, rant from Jason on how much he loves Mister Miracle. I do, I, I really do love it. It is, it is the best comic from the big two right now. Uh, but man, is it just like really f- like messing with my head and making me feel many emotions. Uh, I am so conflicted on the things currently happening in Mister Miracle because I don't want these. I there's just some horrible things might happen, and I don't want them to happen. But at the same time. It's, uh, you know. So where do you get the uh, Mr. Miracle tattoo on your body? Because <laughs> you're the biggest fan I've ever met for Mr. Miracle. I mean, everyone, I, I hear lots of good things about Mr. Miracle, so you're not obviously alone in no. that. It's obviously very successful. But where does the tattoo go for you? You know, that's the thing. I, I actually, I think a lot about... Your face? Like, I think a lot about, like, whether or not I'll get any tattoos and if I do what they will be. Uh, I have thought for a long time that if I do get a tattoo, it'll probably be some sort of Jack Kirby design. Um, That's a great choice already. I'm I'm for this. I think it'll kind of be a vague Kirby aesthetic thing, you know, like not necessarily any specific reference, but he kind of has like a lot of those sort of 
that. He'll do like energy a, bowls or something like no, this, not uh, not the Kirby Crackle because then it'll look like a weird infection. But like he he'll do like <laughs> if you look at all of his like <laughs> machinery, you know, and kind of costume designs and stuff. He has certain like aesthetics that he goes back to. Like you'll see kind of like a circle that's like connected to other circles with like kind of zigzag lines, and then there'll be kind of like these sort that. of trapezoids around them and and different things like that. And so I might kind of do my own sort of riff on maybe a, a Kirby design at some point if I get a tattoo, but. Um, it sounds cool, and that's pro- that's like the best tattoo I've heard in a long time. <laughs> I don't have any tattoos because yeah. none of them met the mustard. Exactly, that's the, the thing. Is like I I would never get a tattoo that's like you know, and and no, no fault to anybody you know who does. It's you know everybody you know sort of express their own, but I I don't think I would ever get a tattoo that's like you know the bat symbol or you know like something no. like that, like a licensed character or anything like that. Just because I feel like I don't know, it's 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 just not how I would choose to express my own thing um yeah everyone's fandom's different though but that's that's not mine and it sounds like it's not yours either yeah but like doing doing like some sort of homage to somebody like jack kirby who's such a huge inspiration to me and and to other people and is kind of like you know largely responsible for the medium that i you know have fallen in love with uh you know i feel like would be appropriate um but i don't know Uh, that sounds like we're gonna get matching kirby tattoos is what we're doing (laughs) let's do it let's get it on our uh, butt cheeks um uh, there we go we'll share che- we'll put the cheeks side by <laughs> side and then it'll go from one to the other hell yeah um now to my other favorite uh comic uh currently being released uh saga or as todd mcfarland saga. says saga 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 bud. saga hey bud hey, 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 you read the saga hey bud or that saga um saga. get your sagas and your, <laughs> your buds <laughs> I've got him. He's great. I love Todd. Um, Sad news, though, for all the Saga fans out there. No, Uh, (laughs) no, I don't like sad news. You mean great news? It's it's not. I think you meant great news. It's not the worst news. Um, It's great news. Saga is taking a year-long intermission after issue number fifty-four. Bad news. That's bad news. It's not ending, but that's second to worst yeah. news. I think it's it's bad news, but also good news. Uh, personally, I kind of felt that this last these last couple arcs on Saga uh, were not quite up to snuff with the rest of them. You know, it was still very good, but oh, it wasn't okay. it wasn't amazing like I think Saga had been up to that point. Um, I've read several think, trades, but I'm nowhere near up to date, so I'm. Yeah, it's. I think you could just feel that they were kind of like the 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 schedule was really you know grinding them down. Obviously, Fiona, much like you know we were saying with Mitch Garrett's, Fiona also does all the art on this book. Um, That's nuts. Good yeah, for her, so, but she, she could use a break, I'm sure. Yeah, and even like even though they do their sort of you know release break where they release you know nine issues a year, like you know there's three months sort of off on releases, but that's just catch up time really like that's not break time for them that's just like fiona's you know barely getting those last pages in of one arc before she you know finally gets those three months to get ahead for the next one um and so anyway in in the letters column of the last issue uh they said um after 54 issues and over 100 or over uh, 1200 consecutive pages of sequential storytelling together uh fiona and i have decided to take an extended break before we eventually reunite again with saga number 55 um and unlike our usual three months of uh vacationanza between arcs we plan to pause publication of this series for at least the next year um 
This, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, he, he goes on to say, uh, this obviously wasn't a decision we took lightly, but Fiona and I feel a responsibility to keep making the very best comic we can, and we both agree that the only way to eventually finish the epic saga we set out to tell wa- was with this one significant, let's call it, intermission. Um, that's fair. I, yeah, I it's I, totally fair, and I I absolutely understand why you do that, and it's not like they necessarily stand to to lose a ton. I mean, this is you know one of the highest selling comics out there, um, you know, and and I know that they've spoken before about wanting to go you know a hundred plus issues. Uh, we'll see if wow. that still happens. I that would be amazing. It totally would be, and I would love to see them go you know to go a hundred issues with Saga. Uh, it's you know, it, it's it's weird. Like it, it, that almost makes it sound like they're getting ready for the end right now, and they're only at issue fifty-five, and so maybe plans have changed. But my hope is, you know, that they're still planning on going that long because I do love this series. But could go either way with them. I and mean, Brian Kevon is no stranger to a, a long series. No, and he's he's done. I, th- I can think of two series off the top of my head that have ten volumes already, yeah. besides Saga. So yeah. It's uh, not that those went 100 issues, but that's he, he can write a long tale. Yeah, no, he, I mean, I, I think both Ex Machina and um, Why the Last Man went like 60-ish issues or something like that. That's the ones that I was thinking of. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's, he's, no, he's no stranger to long-form storytelling, and I think he does a great job of it. Um, anyway, uh, on the, the good news, though... Um, Thank you're... God we got some good news. <laughs> Please, give me some good news. Absolutely. Um, you're a fan, I assume, of uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's work together on um, Batman, right? Uh, that's a very mild way of putting my <laughs> love of that arc. Yes, I, well, I do, do love them. After, after doing their five-year-long run on Batman, as well as uh, following it up with um, the crossover event DC Metal... Uh, yes, yes, yes. We're wonderful. Uh, Snyder and Capullo, then this has already yes. been announced, but they are reuniting for a DC Black Label book called Last Night on Earth, uh, which <laughs> we have talked about. And it is, you know, it, it, we've talked about it on the show. This, this is probably news to you. Um, but It is news to me. I'm a little behind on the show, so apologies. Yeah. But uh, that's crazy. What? They are. A Black Label book? It's Them? A bla- it's a Black Label Them? book. Snyder and Capullo. Uh, yeah, rated mature. Uh, this, uh, the news that's come out just barely is that this title will be double-sized. Wait, what is that? Wait, are you talking about length or height? Length. Um, so this, rather than being a 20-page, or being a, uh, 22-page comic, this is going to be three 48-page issues. Wow. That's yeah. Cool. Wait, three 48 pages? So it's like more than a graphic novel. To put yeah, together, it's 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 roughly the size of like you know a, a larger than average uh, trade paperback. Um, so this you it's know it's, it's a little under 150 pages. Uh, Do you know who's inking it? Uh, I'm assuming Danny Mickey is uh, inking it, and Jonathan mm. Glappian is probably coloring Yay. or whoever. Or no, both Jonathan Glappian's the ink, Jonathan Glappian's the inker. Yeah, I he's, I don't know who's inking it. It's it's probably one of the two since he you know, Mickey and, and Glappian are the only two he ever works with. Um, Yay! That's great yeah. news. Oh my god, that's like Snyder obviously knows how to do uh, Batman, and he knows how to do DC stuff. Mm-hmm. But I love his dark stuff. So hearing him going, being able to like get off the rails a little bit and go go dark 
even darker and then bringing his best bud along that's yep. pretty I'm like i'm not gonna say that's an amazing book already but there's like the, the deck is strongly favored to be yeah it's gonna be probably pretty well, this, it's it's funny too like how this has taken shape because actually this arc has been planned uh since 2016 it was actually announced in 2016 as the uh third arc of scott snyder's or sorry the fourth arc of scott snyder's all-star batman series and it was originally going to be sean murphy drawing it um in all-star batman well that's a great team up too yeah that would have been a great team up however sean murphy uh got the green light on batman white knight so that took a lot of his time um and then dc started putting together the plans for black label and so that kind of brought um all-star batman to an end um and then, uh, you know, basically it became sort of the logical conclusion to be like, well, you know what? Like, this is, they're billing it, and Scott Snyder talks about it as this is the last Batman story ever told. Um, and so he thought what? that would make sense to have Greg Capullo on. Because they did the zero. Yeah, it's uh, like they've, yeah, exactly. They, they, they're Batman, and it's, it's the exact advice that Grant Morrison gave Scott Snyder when he started on Batman all those years ago. Grant Morrison told him, the way to write Batman is you have to make sure that in your head you give your Batman a birth and a death. You your Batman has his own life from beginning to end, and Scott Snyder is doing that. He's he gave his Batman That's a crazy. birth with zero year, and he's about to give him you know uh, maybe his death uh, in uh, Last Night on Earth. I mean, title it's, itself is it is, like, and they call it the last wow. Batman story ever told. So here and here's the solicit for those who don't know: Please. Batman wakes up in a desert. He doesn't know what year it is or how the Joker's head is alive in a jar beside him, but it's the beginning of a quest unlike anything the Dark Knight has undertaken before. In this strange future, villains are triumphant and society has liberated itself from the burden of ethical codes. Fighting to survive while in search of answers, Bruce Wayne uncovers the truth about his role in this new world and begins the last Batman story ever told. Wow! So it's, yeah, it's post-apocalyptic. The Joker's head is alive and in a jar yeah. next to him when he wakes up. It's so we've got an odd couple team up post-apocalyptic Batman story. Something, I, yeah. God, Joker head in the jar is a, a just a great, great move because then he's just hanging around talking to him the whole time, yeah. and then taunting him. Even. Oh my God! Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm uh, super interested. I don't, I don't normally like to hear uh, teasers of any kind. I'm that kind of guy, but that's uh, that was a great, great tease because that really told me very little. Yeah, that gives you like the the setup, and that's it, which is I think the proper tease. That's um, a very proper tease. Uh, good job for DC and you for teasing properly. Yeah, uh, and Scott Snyder just cannot seem to uh, let go of Batman. Uh, oh despite my the God, fact more that Scott Snyder Batman. This is this <laughs> yep. is great. This is uh, the best. Despite the fact that he's writing Justice League, which is being drawn by some amazing artists, including Jim Chung, Francis Manipal, and uh, Jorge Jimenez, uh, he just seems to keep going back to that Batman well, and I know you're not complaining. I'm not complaining either. He seems to have a lot to say about Batman. Um, but do you remember in the Batman Metal series uh, the character The Batman Who Laughs? Nah, yes, I know who that is, but I haven't read it yet. That's I was fun. waiting for the for the trade uh, but i do know who you're talking about yes yeah he's the, he's the for those who don't know eyes. he's the batman that looks a lot like the joker he has weird like metal spikes around his head uh and the giant creepy smile uh he was kind of the the uh the 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 standoff or standout standout character uh from batman metal or dark knight's metal whatever they called it um 
And DC have just announced that uh, the Batman Who Laughs is returning in his own six-issue limited series written by Scott Snyder with uh, another returning collaborator, Jock. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Wow. This is a great Scott Snyder Batman podcast. I love it. (laughs) This is is great stuff, man. It's pretty crazy. So... uh, and Snyder said, uh, this alternate universe Batman who laughs will have another Dark Knight with him. A gun-laden Batman who picked up Joe Chill's gun and shot him after Chill murdered his parents. So, what? That's this incredible! Is, this is a story with two alternate universe Batman. Uh, there's no other details of that, but it is the murderous Batman who killed Joe Chill and the Batman who laughs. Who knows what else is happening, but it's Snyder and Jock. I'm already on board. That sounds like it's that's that's something I have to pick up. Oh yeah, like that a Batman that grabbed Joe Chill's gun. I'm like, okay, yeah, we're good to go here. Yeah. Like he, Scott Snyder proves time and time again that he he knows Batman. Yeah, and it's stuff like this where just like, well, this isn't Batman. It's like alternate reality. Yeah. Now now let's play. Now let's play. And the and, and the nice thing is too the alternate reality like it, it's I think it's the especially with a character like Batman it's a great way of examining what makes the main universe Batman tick you know what I mean like by by exactly. showing those alternate realities it's something like Tom King did it really well in um, his Batman series recently where he had Booster Gold basically do a um, um, shoot what's the uh, Christmas movie Ghost of Christmas Past um, what's that oh, called uh, uh, Christmas Carol is it Christmas Carol. It is uh, no. Christmas. Yes? Yes. Really? Screw you. It's Christmas Carol. Okay, whatever it is. Uh, anyway, so Booster Gold basically kind of I'm, pulls I'm totally one of those right. where he takes Batman to an alternate timeline and shows him like what things would be like if his parents weren't murdered, right? Um, and uh, the the... It's like, you know, the world, like the world, of course, because it doesn't have Batman, it's like overrun by all these villains and like it's a terrible place and all that stuff. But Bruce Wayne is still a coddled rich guy and he has his parents and and he has a nice little happy family. Uh, Unfortunately for Booster Gold, he was trying to do that as like a gift, you know, to like show Batman like, hey, like your life is really great. Like, look at how amazing it is. You know, despite this tragedy, like you really have an awesome life. Unfortunately, Bruce Wayne actually really likes that reality a lot better where he still has his parents. Um you know, and so it's it's kind of one of those things where like you 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 know like you take that alternate universe and and use that as a way of examining uh, the great things about a certain character. Um, and so yeah, this could be this could be another great way of of kind of looking at that. Um, anyway, moving on from the uh, Scott Snyder Batman news, uh, are, are you ready to go to Scotland? I'm not going to attempt it on a without a warm up, but yes, yes, I am. Oh, I bet you're ready. Uh, well, I hope you are because uh, Grant Morrison is He's doing going... a Scotty spinoff for Star Trek, right? Yes, that's, <laughs> Unfor- that's it. I wish that'd be amazing. Um, but no, there is a new Green Lantern series. Uh, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps is scheduled to end in August, and a new Green Lantern series written by Grant Morrison with art by Liam Sharp uh, has been announced for debut Whoa. this November. Dang. Uh huh. Okay, that could go some crazy you're gonna give grant morrison (laughs) the most powerful weapons in the universe absolutely and the thing is he's actually grant morrison talks about he's like instead of doing these big epic 12-part stories that uh you know green lantern has kind of like become very known for over the last you know decades since jeff johns got his character 
Uh, he says, we're focusing on the everyday life of a space cop. Basically, it's no more apocalypse-ending storylines, uh, but the basic concept is that Hal Jordan is like a space cop that patrols a sector of the universe where anything can happen. Um, they've made it more like a police procedural. Oh, um, my God. That sounds... And Grant Morrison? Yeah. He wants to write this? Because that sounds like <laughs> totally. a great idea. It just doesn't sound very Morrison. It does not sound very Morrison at all. Um, wow, I think that that's that's a that's a solid solid hook. Are they going to explore more of what's Hal Jordan's two eight one four? What's the? Yeah, I think it's twenty eight fourteen. I think you're right. Um, sector twenty eight fourteen. Uh, I'm assuming so. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you though, th- there is one thing that disappoints me about this. Uh, I I'm kind of sick of Hal Jordan in general, especially like series that are only focused on Hal. I would. Oh have, yeah, I'm 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 checked way the fuck out on Hal Jordan, Kyle Rayner. Uh, I'm f- totally fine with Guy Gardner and John Stewart and yeah. whoever the masked. Well, there's been some new ones. Yeah, um, they've had Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz and and um. Yeah, I'm fine uh, with a them. Others that have because come I just don't know them enough. But Hal Jordan is fucking boring. Yeah, and I just I I would really like to have a Green Lantern series that kind of focuses. I mean, like especially if you're doing a police procedural, like. It would be great to have all of them kind of as a police department. You know, you focus on what each one is doing or you have, you know, them kind of paired up like police are and, and you know, sort of doing that and kind of rotating that way. Um, you know, oh my and, God. And I know, could you imagine having a, a manhunter that's reformed or something oh, like totally. a part a part of that? And or is in one of the cells is like a, a prison. Mm-hmm. You could still be. I'm like, just bring the manhunters in. because <laughs> I want to have the manhunters. Yeah, I just think like, you know, as much as there's, you know, probably too many Green Lanterns, like. It would be great yes, to, to, to have a series that kind of, especially since he's doing it episodically, like he's not doing this big overarching story, you know, from issue to issue, you could kind of switch perspectives. You know, you have like a team up of Hal Jordan and Jessica Cruz, and then you, you know, go to the other team of like John Stewart and, and you know, uh, Guy Gardner, and then the other team of Kyle Rayner and Simon Baz. Like, you know, you could switch back and forth like that and kind of explore the dynamics of each of the characters, um, you know, and, and maybe have it feed in together, but it doesn't really matter. Like, I just... I don't know. I, I I I'm so exhausted on Hal Jordan solo stories. Like I would really like more stories of him, almost as like the police chief of this sector. You know, uh, he would be great in that role. I and I don't mean to open up a can of worms. I'm not a, a huge fan of Superman. I know you are, and I mm-hmm. love that you are. Love it. But to me, my favorite uh, Superman stuff uh, when is not by himself. It's typically when he's part of the Justice League because he fits so well. He's such a great placeholder yeah. in that pantheon. And I think Hal Jordan, same thing. I'm not a huge Hal Jordan fan, but him as the chief mm-hmm. would yeah, be great it, because he's perfect for that role. Totally. And it's and it's the thing is like it's it, it works really well dramatically because it's like that's not his necessarily instinct. Like he is such a lone wolf and all that stuff, you know, and he's he's, you know, a hot headed dude or whatever. And so that's what makes for, I think, interesting storytelling is when you put him in sort of this position of authority Ooh. that he has to do, you know, like he's he's capable of it, but it's it's the opposite of his instinct, you know, like it's it's one of those things where it's almost like what he's meant to do, but not what he wants to do. Ooh. Uh, yeah, give the order, but not ha- like you have to let them carry it out. And he's like yeah. chewing them out for things that it's like, that's not really that bad of a job. You're just mad because you're not doing it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and, and one of the things that I feel like Grant Morrison's done so well over his career is, is use these, you know, kind of like tertiary characters. I mean, you know, obviously creating, uh, I can't remember if he created Kyle Rayner, but obviously he used Kyle Rayner very well. He used Wally West very well. Um, you know, like, especially on his JLA run, but, 
And so it's, it's, it's weird to me that he's going with, with Hal Jordan, you know, or freaking Dick Grayson as Batman. Like he's, you know, consistently done like different characters in the familiar, uh, familiar icons. So I guess, I don't know, I guess this is almost a, a different, a very different move for him. But I, I just feel like having Hal Jordan as the, the, uh, you know, only Green Lantern in this book is kind of boring. Oh, wow. Oh, is it, is it really just, it's just him? I, I was think assuming it's just that... him. They only mention Hal Jordan in any of the solicits, and all the preview pages are just Hal Jordan. Uh, so I was pumped, and now it kind of deflated me a little bit. <laughs> no, I, I apologize for that. No, um, no, it's okay. It's, it's, that's, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And maybe, I mean, well, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, because, because the Green Lanterns series that, that focuses on um, Jessica Cruz and Simon Baz, that one's coming to an end, as well as the Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps series that's uh, been focusing on Hal Jordan as a, you know, leader in the Green Lantern Corps. Um, so I, I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, Grant Morrison is one of my favorite writers, so I'm, of course, going to give it a chance. But, uh, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, the, he deserves chances because he's Grant Morrison. Yeah. Like, that's, I'm, I, I'm going to read that. It's just yeah. more like my skepticism level is a little, a little high. Yeah. Uh, and I, th- but, I think part of it, too, is well, like Hal Jordan was never my Green Lantern. Like my introduction to Green Lantern was on the uh, Justice League animated series um okay yeah that was gonna say i'm like i probably if i was gonna pick one i'd probably be john stewart for me mm-hmm. uh if for us if if we're picking the human green lanterns i would never pick the human green lanterns first because there's so many other green lanterns to choose from there that are. are interesting yeah there, there's uh, a lot of green lantern stories out there i think to be told that people don't I, I don't know and i mean there's been a lot of great green lantern stories you know jeff johns has done awesome stuff sam humphreys did awesome stuff rob venditti has done some great stuff like peter tomasi yeah, it, absolutely, and I just I just think that sometimes the the focus is way too much on Hal Jordan. Um, yeah, we we can we can have we can stop that. <laughs> It'd be interesting if uh, what's his face the Green Lantern pre like Golden Age Green Lantern. Oh yeah, Alan Scott. Got a, got a, Alan Scott would like he did a team up with. I, I know they've done it before and they'll do it again mm-hmm. or whatever. But I mean, there's a lot if doing a procedural for green lantern i feel like it's so funny is you you're pulling back from this epic landscape which has been green lantern for at least the past decade mm-hmm. uh and th- this is like the best way to just do something completely different but is still a part of like the mythology which is they're supposed to be cops yep so wow that's a great concept and it's grant morrison sucks that it's hal jordan but if anyone could do it obviously grant morrison's got the skill set absolutely um right moving over into the uh the marvel uh bullpen um, oh here we go <laughs> they they announced a uh another x-men series so currently they have a bunch of x-men series uh but oh, really it, yeah is it is it is it a day ending in y as they say like it's <laughs> they always have a ton of x-men stories what's the new one um but they've they've kind of been following this colors theme uh for the last like okay. year and a half or two years so they have x-men gold x-men blue um recently can i guess the color can i guess the color yeah. Is it a new color? Uh, is it silver? No. Is it pink? Nope. Is it purple? Nope. You're wrong. I give up. Um, I give up. <laughs> uh, so they, they, they recently introduced X-Men Red, which was a, a few months ago, and that's been honestly oh. pretty great from, from Tom Taylor. Uh, but the one that they just announced is uh, X-Men Black. Uh, Dang it. Yeah. It's not even a color. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this one... Is rather than a continuing series, this is a series of one-offs um, that's mostly focused on villains. Uh, so these one-offs focus. Uh, one is on Magneto, another is Mojo, another is Mystique, another is Juggernaut, and another is Emma Frost. 
Oh, they were there putting Emma Frost in as a as a villain. I know she started as one, but she's sort of yeah. She's she's a sometimes villain. I mean, they, they're not you know they don't all have to be explicitly villains. I think they're just they're all those characters that are sort of more on that spectrum. Interesting. Um, uh, that sounds like good. Is it limited series? You said it might be limited. They they haven't said if it's limited, but they have announced a few of the creative teams. So um, on Emma Frost, we have Leah Williams and Chris Pacciolo. Uh, on Magneto, Ooh, okay. we have Chris Claremont uh, and uh, okay. <laughs> Dalibor Talajic. Uh, on Mojo, we have Scott Ackerman and Nick Bradshaw. Scott Ackerman of Comedy Bang Bang fame. Yeah, I was to say, I'm like, um, that name doesn't sound comics to me. That sounds <laughs> c- comedy. He's written a little for- bit. He's written a little bit uh, in the comics world before, so I'm I'm, I'm interested oh, to cool. see it. Um, we also have uh, Mystique from Sheenan McGuire and Marco Fela. Uh, and then we've got Juggernaut uh, by Robbie Thompson and Sean Crystal, uh, Mr. Ink Pulp himself. Um, and then apparently each one of these issues also has a backup story focused on Apocalypse. Uh, and this is from uh, Lonnie Nadler and Zach Thompson. So there will be some connective thread from issue to issue. That's interesting. I feel like uh, it would do comics, uh, one of the big two, either one or mm-hmm. both, uh, would do well to have a ridiculously strong uh, one-shot series. Yep. They've all tried it time and time again, and they all tend to fail. Yep. But um, it's because they always uh, end up giving up. Once they, they have the original, they spend a bunch of time getting the original slate together, mm-hmm. and then they're the first run of it, and then they don't uh, keep up that consistency to the second and third to six volumes. Yeah. I, so they I think, eventually all crash. I think there absolutely could be a way to do a very successful anthology. I think it's one of those things like, you know, at the time the walking dead came out, every publisher was convinced that black and white comics didn't work and that zombie comics didn't work. Uh, and all it took was the walking dead to disprove that. And I think that, yeah, like comics publishers right now all seem to think that anthologies don't work. Um, you know they'll they keep trying them, but I, I do I do think that like they just haven't quite put their all into it yet, and I, I feel like that'll be coming at some point, whether it be from one of the big two or somebody else. Yeah, because even uh, Dark Horse has uh, Dark Horse presents. They've mm-hmm. all done uh, a trying to do an ongoing series that's a one shots or mini series or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I think it's a I, so as a. Uh, for those of you who don't know that, listen, I, I used to co-own a comic shop, mm-hmm. and I think it would be nice to be able to have that kind of thing that you could be like, hey, you don't need to have read the issue before this or after mm-hmm. this, because that's kind of the problem with the the market, is that the publishers have gotten onto this track, and unfortunately they are fairly right that if you put a number one on it, then it's going to sell a lot more and that people yeah. don't care when it gets into the, the 200s anymore. Not like before, back in the day, until like the 80s, 90s. Uh, yeah, and I do think, I mean, from a publisher standpoint, it's like, you know, having a successful anthology series is would be a great thing uh, for a few reasons, not least of which the fact that that is a great way to try out new talent. Uh, you oh, know, if, yeah, that's true. If there's talent that you're scouting, or like DC has these new talent workshops and stuff like that, having an anthology series is a great way to just be like, okay, let's, you know, slot this new artist or this new writer in on like one issue of this anthology series and just see how they do. That way we don't have to make any kind of ongoing commitment. You know, it's not like a weird thing when the next issue is somebody else, but it's a good way Why for us to see. Why are they doing see... uh, 
Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, I, why aren't they doing like a, a Elseworlds uh, one-shot series? That's a good question. Uh, and I think the biggest it's thing simple, is simple. It's easy. Yeah, it's I, do whatever the fuck you want and do it in one issue. I, I I think that's the thing is like they I think that every time they try the anthology, it's just not done the right way, and so they they tend to just be like, oh, they don't work. Um, but if you if you were to do a series, I mean, like Marvel What If, you know, back in the day was was very successful. Um, but for instance, if you were if you were to do a just one series, an anthology series called DC Elseworlds, for instance. Oh my uh, god, that title just gets me ready to go. Keep yeah, going. <laughs> like, you just, you like, just yes. call it DC Elseworlds, or you know, the multiverse, or anything like that. And then you know, the conceit is like, all right, like you know, we we just sign on, you know, like bunch of creators. Everybody just you know, like whatever creator wants to do it, or whatever creator we line up, they get one issue. Uh, and they can pull whatever character they'd like, whatever, anything, you know, like you just pull whatever character and throw them in there uh, and you get one issue to tell this story. You know, you maybe even give them 30 pages like, you know, but but give them one issue to tell whatever else world story they want to tell, you know, do whatever crazy alternate version of, you know, I don't know, murderous Batman or like, you know, super powered Steve Trevor or whatever the fuck. Uh I think that would be a very... And I think you'd get a lot of eyeballs that way, where you go, hey, like this is a series where we're just letting people do whatever the frick they want for 30 pages. I don't know. Oh, I'd be interested I think in that. That that's, I think both publishers could really do some crazy stuff with that. Because mm-hmm. then it's... You're, I know that that's very... You have to be on brand with whatever it is. Like, oh, at the moment we're doing this, or at the moment we're doing that, we're focusing on, on this stuff across the board or whatever. But I think it's nice to have a complimentary item yeah. that you could sell because not everyone wants to yeah but and here's here's how i look at it too like uh, i mean there, there's a few advantages here uh first off you if you're dc you're already doing all these imprints right so you've got dc zoom and dc ink you know right. one op- aimed at young adults one aimed at young readers you've also got black label which is aimed at mature readers you've got the wild storm which is its own imprint you've got you know obviously you had young animal for a while like you've got um the new age of dc heroes which there's a news we'll talk about in a bit um but like you've got all these imprints already there so i mean it's not like they're really super focused on having everything in their line being the same thing like you might as well try one of these anthologies and then the other thing is too let's say one of these issues takes off right like exactly for instance you know, we, we look at like these crossovers that they do every once in a while. Uh, nobody could have predicted that the Batman Elmer Fudd issue that Tom King and Lee Weeks did was going to take off the way it did. You know, like that was a phenomenon. And so if you have something like that in this Elseworld series, you have a series that somebody just like nails it on, uh, you know, then what's to stop you from being like, oh, sweet. Like there's uh, something that just got a big following. Let's green light a mini series based on that Elseworlds concept, you know, a, a, bl- a black label series, right? Like you could just green light a black label series uh spider gwen exactly spider gwen totally happened based on a that exact type of situation from doing spider verse and being like all right just give us an alternate version of spider-man and jason latour and um robbie rodriguez just go okay cool like here's gwen stacy but she's you know bitten by a spider uh and it happens time and time again we just talked about batman who laughs right like this is just an alternate crazy crazy version of Batman, you know, where Scott Snyder took the reins off and went, what's Batman's, you know, biggest nightmare or what's one of his biggest nightmares, you know, and created a character that embodied that. Like, you could do that in this multiverse book and really find some amazing stuff. And, you know, almost in the way of, like, something like The Killing Joke or Dark Knight Returns or whatever, 
sometimes that stuff just finds its way into continuity because people like it so much that they decide, all right, yeah, we're going to integrate this somehow, you know, with the multiverse or whatever. Um, yeah, I think that that's the... All right, DC and Marvel, you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Go do it. If anyone's Go get listening, your... green light that anthology series. And again, it could also be a great way to test out their new talent, you know? Yeah. And mine for fresh IP for their from their own stuff. Exactly. Like, merchandising at the very least. Like, you know, Whew. a character gets popular, you print a few shirts, you know, or like sell some action figures or something. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to have to pitch them this anthology <laughs> series. Seriously. All right, guys. Green, green light your anthology series, please. Uh, I'll, I'm now going to bring it up to every single person that I talk to from DC. Um, <laughs> yes, make this happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, two things I like, Kent. Uh, what do you like? I like The Vision. And uh, yeah, I guess he's okay. The Vision's great. And Tom King's series was fantastic. And he's also amazing yeah, in the that... movies. And generally, he's a fun character. Thank you um, again for recommending me that. I, re- I read the. I have the volume of it now. So good. It's a perfect so good. series. So good. Another thing I like is yeah. Another thing I like is Chelsea Kane. Uh, she wrote a fantastic okay. Mockingbird series recently. Until comics Twitter pushed her out of the comics world uh, because they're all terrible and they can't help but harass female creators. Um, Yay! Another one. Okay. Yeah, right. Just, we'll, we'll put it up on the tall list of female uh, entertainment people getting harassed. Yeah. Unfortunately for those fucks, though, uh, Chelsea Kane has uh, decided that she is not going to be uh, kept down. Not only does she have a new Image Comics series coming out, uh, but she is also coming out with a Vision miniseries uh, with artists. Really? Yeah, yeah, with artist Mark Mohan. Um, and Andy Coke, or sorry, she's writing with Mark Mohan, uh, with art by Andy Coke. Um, Marcos Martin is also scheduled to illustrate the covers. Um, I love him. Okay. Oh yeah. And it's actually, this might actually be an ongoing, it might not be a miniseries. Um, but seriously, I mean, if you have not read Chelsea Kane's Mockingbird, go read it. It is both hilarious and very, very good. Like it's, it is not a comedy, uh it is just a really really good series that's also really funny um it was i think 10 issues or something like that um but it was it was one of the few uh marvel series that i've read in the past um you know like two or three years that i've really really latched on to uh in a very similar way to how i latched on to vision um it's it's just great and I, i'm super excited to see chelsea kane coming back to comics it really like it made me so sad to see that like Twitter assholes had pushed her away from doing comic stuff. And when I saw that she was coming to image with this series, man eaters, it, it made me crazy excited. Uh, but the fact that like, she's not been dissuaded from doing, you know, big two stuff, uh, and that she's still going to do that shit when she wants to do that stuff. Like it, it, it makes me feel good. Um, that's, that's good to hear that the perseverance is is still there not that that uh, yeah it's, it's good to hear that she's coming back that's amazing yeah and i mean and the, the creative team's awesome jordy belair is coloring this she also colored oh the, uh, the Tom King and wow, Gabriel walter series okay yeah and this, is a, this is a team <laughs> it's a freaking team uh and it's being lettered by uh clayton cowles so hell yeah i think that we've got a, a winner on our hand we're calling it early here in the savage land i'm i'm speaking for the savage land now i'm a I'm, yeah i'm I'm saying wanna, that it's it's all star ten out of ten. Do you want to hear the uh, the little uh, the little tease for it? Hit me. Let's do it. When the Vision decided to try to live a normal life, he built a wife, a son, and a daughter, a family. 
only to watch it nearly all crumble. Now all that's left is Viv, his learning-to-be-rebellious daughter, and Sparky, the family robo-dog. But what does it mean for an artificial intelligence to rebel? And can a synthesoid father handle single parenthood? The married writing team of Chelsea Kane and Mark Mohan join rising star artist Odd Coke for uh, a new take on the Vision family that will once again have everyone talking. I really love it's that. It's a response series? That's crazy. It's Yeah, it's, it's a follow-up to Tom King's series, and it is Vision being a single parent with a rebellious teenage daughter. I love it. I'm so on board. That gives you a totally different dynamic than the the last arc. So Hell that's yeah. wow. And yet it still ties in, but you could at the same time probably come in fresh to that and be still wowed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So all all engines go. Uh, full approval here. That's what they that's that's what you're asking, <laughs> right? You need my approval? Uh, yeah, I needed I will, your approval. They all did. I will uh, I will approve it. No, I'm I'm so I'm so glad Chelsea Kane's back. I'm I'm so looking forward to her stuff. Um and uh, moving back into the DC world, uh, Tom King uh, recently announced his Heroes in Crisis series with uh, uh, fan favorite rising star artist Clay Mann. Uh, they, at San Diego Comic-Con, held like this crazy weird cult event uh, where everybody sat around in robes and masks. Uh, and the two men sitting next to Tom King, who were also wearing masks, unveiled themselves to be Clay Mann himself and Mitch Garrids who is now joining the series hot off of Mr. Miracle. He will be joining the series writing, um, like, I guess, small sort of, like, interwoven stories within the main series. Um, This series is focusing, it's called Heroes in Crisis. It's focusing on DC heroes who have experienced intense trauma and have gone into sort of this secret facility that Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman have been running for years to kind of work through it and learn how to cope with the trauma that you encounter as a superhero um, or supervillain. Uh, and apparently the the contributions that Mitch Garrods is making to the series is kind of when we're actually going inside the heads of these people. Uh, the art style sort of changes and we get everything from their perspective and that is what Mitch is illustrating. Then when you go back into sort of the, the real world or what's happening around it, that is what you see from uh, Clay Mann. Um, hmm. Well, I, I don't know Clay Mann's uh, art, but I'm looking it up while you're talking about it and it's absolutely insane this Mm -hmm. this is jaw-dropping illustrations yeah he's he's awesome honestly clay man has been such a find uh he first at least i first noticed him on um poison ivy and then went back and saw his art on i believe it was ninjack it was one of the valiant series um but he's been kind of a regular appear occurrence in uh tom king's batman series uh he wrote the kite man issues during the battle the war of jokes and riddles um, he also wrote the uh, uh, Superman and Batman uh, Super Friends arc in um, uh, the Batman main series. Uh, he's he's a huge rising star, and I think that Heroes in Crisis is going to be one of those things that really kind of propels him into the spotlight. Yeah, and the whoever is the colorist on, on a lot of his work is absolutely killing it too. So. Uh, oftentimes it's Jordy Belair, but I know it's been a uh, somebody of else a couple times. Uh, of yeah. course it is, because of course uh, it's Jordy. If I'm going to compliment a colorist without knowing it, it's going to be Jordy Belair. Yeah, yeah. she's great. Too good. She's, she's wonderful. Um, I'm excited for that. I love Mitch Garrods. I love Clay Man. I love Tom King. Uh, I love examining heroes in a different perspective. So this is all good news to me. Perfect. Wow, this is finally we're getting a, a nice streak of good news here. 
what's oh, yeah. next? What's Am I next? setting myself up for, for, for a bad surprise? I don't think so, actually. Uh, Peter Tomasi is coming back to Detective Comics uh, to build yes. up to issue number 1000 with artist Doug Mankey. What? They're giving it to Tomasi? He's Hell a great, yeah. great writer. He, he did the Batman and Robin series, right? Yep. From he, New 52? Yeah, he and uh, Pat Gleason did uh, Batman and Robin together, and then he, Pat, and uh, Doug Mankey did Superman uh, for 50 issues together in Rebirth, and it was an amazing Superman series. Um, well, yeah, uh, Tomasi is uh, one of those. I feel like when uh, New 52 was going on, um, everyone was talking about Snyder because he was the rising star at the time, and rightly so, people were talking mm-hmm. about him, but... If Snyder hadn't been there, people would have been talking about Tomasi because he's that good. He was absolutely incredible. And he was also doing, we talked about it earlier, but Green Lantern and Core at the same time mm-hmm. as doing Batman and Robin. And it was just nailing it on both. Yeah, he's and, and he he tends to work with uh, with the same artists a lot. He and Pat Gleason have a, a great relationship, and so do he and Doug Mankey. So the fact that they're continuing that working relationship into Detective Comics is very exciting. Man, um, for the big, big 1,000, that's, uh, that's yeah, a huge... Yeah, he's building up to it, yeah. Yeah, or, oh, yeah, well, hopefully... Well, they'll, they'll get a... They'll probably do a thing like they did for Superman where everybody gets a piece. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I was... Uh, Brian Hill actually kind of did a, a fill-in arc with um, Black Lightning uh, in between James T- uh, James Tynan's run and Tomasi's run, and I was kind of hoping that um, Brian would be on it ongoing, but I'm suspecting... Uh, that pretty soon DC is going to announce that he's doing an Outsiders series, uh, which will kind of continue the Batman and Black Lightning relationship that he established. Um, so I guess, you know, I'm not as disappointed that he's not writing Detective if he's doing an Outsiders series, because that's great. You heard it here first. We're breaking the news <laughs> first. That that's Outsiders. Really, I, I have absolutely no inside information on that. Nobody take that as meaning anything. Uh, my conversations with Brian are just... Hey, when can we get you on the show? Probably soon. Send me an email. Okay. And that's 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 the extent of it. Um, Brian's given we... us exclusive information here at the Savage <laughs> Land that he may come on the show sometime. Yeah, maybe at some point. Um, anyway, uh, the next uh, bit of news is back in the Marvel bullpen. Donny Cates is celebrating Marvel Knights' 20th anniversary by bringing back Marvel Knights. That's a good way to celebrate it. That's, yeah. That's a solid celebration. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he's bringing back Marvel Knights. It sounds like Marvel Knights might actually like it might be a series called Marvel Knights rather than like an imprint. Um, but he is bringing in other collaborators with him, such as Mike Diodato, uh, Teeny Howard, Matthew Rosenberg, uh, Vita Alea or Ayala. Um, I don't know what is happening here, and they aren't revealing any details. But Marvel Knights uh, was amazing, and I'm super glad that it's coming back. Yeah, I, that was not a thing that I was spending a lot of time reading, but. Most people that talked about Marvel Knights love, absolutely love Marvel Knights. So I, I think doing it as a series sounds like a really good way to do it is just make it its own title. And then you can kind of go all in on that instead of trying to do like four or five titles simultaneously. You just go, eh, we're going to do this one thing. Yeah, totally. Cool. Um, we uh, we covered on the last episode of this show, we covered a bit of Jeff Lemire news, but there's still more Jeff Lemire news. Uh, I'm fine with new Jeff Lemire news, unless uh, only if it's good news, though. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what? No, no. What's the, no? Tell you what, I'll mm. give you the bad news first, then I'll give you some good news. Okay. The bad news is, and this honestly, like this, legitimate, legitimately made me sad. Uh, no, 
no. Royal City, which is one of my favorite. I got. I, I've I've now named three things that are my favorite series in comics, but Royal City uh, is coming to an end with issue number fourteen. It will have oh. only lasted three arcs, and it is the most beautiful family only, drama I've ever read. In only uh, three arcs. That's still a only good three part. arcs. I know it's it's a lot, but it's like he when he announced this series, he kind of talked about it like he was planning on going for a really long time, and he was saying that he had at least 20 issues planned out and was hoping that it could kind of be something that he, you know, continued to revisit for the rest of his career. Um, and so it, w- when it just like abruptly was announced that, that Royal city was ending with issue 14, it was just kind of like, Oh, or I think, I think maybe 15. Um, but it was just, it was, I don't know. Like I love this story so much and, and it's such a great family drama, which is such a rare thing in comics and it, it really like it's it's one of those few comics that I read every single time a new issue comes out, um, and so it's one that I'll cherish for sure. And if it comes out in a hardcover collection for all three volumes, I'm buying it instantly. Um, it really like it's it's been one of the most uh, inspiring and like deeply affecting stories that I've read in a long time. And so it, I I'm sad to see it go. Um, That's a huge bummer. Uh, yeah, and so soon too. Thank- I mean, the last issue comes out like in three weeks. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Yep. Uh, however, the good news is um, that uh, his next series that will kind of be taking the place of Royal City uh, is f- called Family Tree. This is a series that he first teased like two years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, it is with artist uh, Phil Hester, uh, who obviously is very well known in the comics world for his work on Green Arrow with Kevin Smith. Um as well as, you know, he's done work with Warren Ellis and, and a bunch of other writers. He's even written a lot of his own stuff. Uh, I love that Kevin Smith one. That's a, that was a solid, solid series. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think Phil uh, Phil's art style, I think, is like this. I think it's a very underrated um, style. Like he, he tends to go a little bit like as, as people would describe cartoony or something like that. But I think that it really plays to his benefit. And I think maybe it rubs some people the wrong way. But... I love his, uh, I love his style. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think I like a high contrast, uh, car- not, I mean, cartoony, yes, is the word, but stylized. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why people, people dislike him? Really? Why? I, I've heard some people say that. I think it's because, like, I think it's just the people who love that, like, super realistic style of art. I do love that stuff. There's a place yeah. for everyone at the table, man. I, I agree. Could. I totally agree. <laughs> Jesus, um, it's, it's a very interesting concept. Uh, the uh, the original solicit from, and it might be different at this point, but the original one that Jeff Lemire put out over a year ago was uh, when an eight year old girl literally begins to transform into a tree. Her single mom, uh, troubled brother, and possibly insane grandfather embark on a bizarre and heart wrenching odyssey across the back roads of America, desperately searching for a way to cure her horrifying transformation before it's too late. Before they, yeah, I know, right? But before they get close, get home, or sorry, but before they get from home, sorry, fuck, they get cloned on the the way to home. The further they get from home, and the the closer the girl gets to completely losing her humanity, uh, the more external forces threaten to tear the family apart. As fanatical cults, mercenaries, and tabloid paparazzi close in, determined to destroy the girl or use her for themselves. Mm Hmm. Well, yeah, sounds like a nice popcorn light, uh, no <laughs> drama there story. Nah, 
Of course, Jeff Lemire's not going to fuck with our emotions. He never does that. Never, ever does that. He's a mm-hmm. nice guy. Um, well, anyway, that's, last, that's last a, little bit of news. That's a, that's, that's, I will take that good news over the bad news, because that was bad yeah, news. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jeff Johns is coming back to comics. He is doing uh, a Shazam <laughs> series with Dave okay. Eaglesham. That's crazy. Yeah, this is a direct follow-up to his uh, New 52 Shazam series, which is what the uh, (sighs) new movie is based on. Uh, That, A, the trailer looks great for that, which Mm -hmm. is also San Diego news, but uh, that uh, Shazam series for New New 52, I I either own it in a trade or a hardcover. I think it's a hardcover. That's one of my favorites. It was a backup to Justice League when it was coming out. Uh, I gushed over that series. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. Sorry, what's the news? <laughs> so yeah, he's 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 doing a follow up series to that now that he's coming back to comics. Uh, it's, oh my god! Uh, it, it follows the whole Shazam family, um, you know, or the Marvel family, depending on who, what they're calling it. I hope they stick to Shazam family. I think it's just better branding. Um, it is so much better branding. I, I I didn't like it at first, but it once I, I was just like, you know what? Let's get away from that Marvel thing uh, and move towards that but you do you have you talked about this on the show uh, we were talking about uh, this at San Diego Comic Con that uh, that the because it originally came out with Wiz Comics right uh, Shazam yeah, yeah Shazam or, Shazam premiered in, in the pages of Wiz Comics from uh, the publisher Fawcett Comics and that predated Marvel as Marvel yes that was when uh, Marvel was still timely um so Wiz Comics came out, and the character that we now know as Shazam was originally titled or called Captain Marvel. Um, Captain Marvel debuted in those in those pages. Uh, he very quickly became the number one comic book character. I mean, he was outselling Superman. He was outselling everybody, uh, and that kind of prompted DC to take action because he looked similar to Superman, and so they started suing the shit out of Fawcett. Uh, I think it also prompted timely to change their name to marvel uh so that they could take that trademark uh and so basically Fawcett got backed into a corner and was not able to even afford to stay in business anymore or keep publication while the lawsuit was going on um that which sucks. then uh, that's really <laughs> yeah i mean it's we all love that shazam's part of dc and he does feel like a very dc character mm-hmm. but you're like oh it's kind of a how did they get from point a to i'm suing you because it's uh you're just like superman to give me this it's mine now it was the landscape it was the landscape at the time where it was just like you know because this guy flew and had a cape and you know looked like superman that was actually grounds you know to to say oh they're they're infringing on our copyright because there wasn't there there weren't that many other comic book characters at the time and so people didn't understand you know, people didn't even think to look at like backstory, you know, and, and stuff like that. They just looked at what they saw. Uh, and so he looked similar enough for, for courts to take the case seriously, at least for a while. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, basically what That's happened is that Fawcett's sucks. value was just plummeted and, and eventually got to the point where DC could just afford to buy them uh, or National at the time could afford to buy them. Um, That's, That's really messed up. Yeah, um, it's, it's so weird. And I mean, like you, you, when you think about it, like had it not been for that lawsuit or if it had been thrown out immediately, like we might be talking about Fawcett comics, you know, in the same vein as Marvel and DC today, maybe even bigger, you know, like, because he was, because Captain Marvel was the most popular comic book character by far at the time. Like it was not close. Uh, 
and I mean, you can see why. Like this, this is especially when you're appealing to young readers. This is a character who simultaneously is just like you, but also a an enormous superhero with all these powers, right? Like it's it's the stuff that made Spider-Man successful, but 20 years earlier and max like maximized. This is also in an era where there's, you know, these post-depression era kids. And so the fact that this is a, you know, like a kid in a foster home, you know, who was basically an orphan, like that spoke to a lot of kids at the time because there were so many of them. Uh, I mean, it's it's just, it was a very, very successful series. And it's insane that it's taken so long for this character to take off in the mainstream because he really, almost immediately, uh, Captain Marvel took off back when he was published. I so. could listen to you jason and i'm sure everyone else is probably enjoying this as well because like i got just got a big grin on my face as i'm listening i love listening <laughs> to you talk history and i just i try to always find the button to press to get you to get off on the, to start talking history which is a good plug for a comic book workshop uh, yeah we're doing we do history stuff on that show too for comics just saying just saying but yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll probably that, we'll probably broach that topic more in a, in a future episode of of um comic book workshop uh anyway back to the news though and and as we're kind of wrapping up here um Jeff Johns is also finally following up on the enormous tease that he placed down right at the end of the New 52 uh, in Dark Side War when he showed that there were three Jokers out in the world somehow. Uh, nobody knows how. Nobody knows any explanation for this. Uh, it has been over two years since he first laid down that tease. And Jeff Johns is finally coming back to DC and back and uh, on to Black Label. Uh, along with artist Whoa. Jason Fabok to uh, tell the story of three Jokers. Interesting. So yeah. um, just to, I mean, it sounds cool and who knows what, and I don't think there's much info else out there, and it sounds interesting. I'm, and I want to be hyped for it, but one Joker is sometimes overused, and so to go to three makes me very skeptical. But it's, it's Jeff Johns, he's a great writer. Got to do, put a little trust in there. Is all this Jeff John stuff coming out because he's no longer president of JC Entertainment? It's it, it is yeah basically. I mean he's still I can't remember. I think he's still like I think he's president of DC Entertainment still, but he's not chief creative officer anymore. Um, but it is exactly because of that because he's not like the you know shepherding all of the film stuff and everything like that. And so now that he is off of that role. He is uh, show running a star girl TV show on uh, the DC universe app. Um, he is executive producing doom patrol and writing a couple episodes of that. He's uh, writing three, four comic series now. Um, you know, he's, he's going back into high gear. Wow. That sounds like he's back to his normal workload, which is working his ass <laughs> yeah. off yeah, uh, exactly. for the star girl thing in the DC app. I am behind on you you've you've told me a little bit of stuff there, but mm-hmm. that's an interesting choice uh, to go with Stargirl just because uh, when CBS, I mean, obviously there's a huge difference between CBS and Warner Brothers, but mm-hmm. uh, when Warner Brothers, sorry, when CBS launched their app, they they started it with a new Star Trek series, and I thought that was a a good choice because you're gonna almost automatically get a dedicated fan base running straight to it. But Stargirl, I'm not saying it's going to be bad. It's just an interesting one to um, uh, begin yeah, well, with. So, and, and Stargirl won't be a day one show. So they're the the shows that they're oh, leading. Okay, okay. The shows that they're leading with are Titans, uh, Swamp Thing, uh, Harley Quinn, the animated series, um, as well as uh, Young Justice Outsiders, um, along with a lot those of their good, back- those are good leads. 
Yeah, those, <laughs> those are, are great good leads. starts. <laughs> Especially the Swamp Thing series, I think, is the most promising of all of them. Um, wow. Then they're following that up with Doom Patrol as well as uh, Jeff John's Stargirl. Um, and so, and okay. I think Stargirl will take people by surprise. I mean, this is a character that Jeff John's created. Uh, you know, th- she's a very personal character to him, and he's talked a lot about how how meaningful she is. You know, she she's based a lot on his own sister. Um, and so I'm oh, I'm wow. very interested for this. And like on a on a personal note, I'm trying to see if I can get hired on that show. Uh, on our, on the wraps, <laughs> or, uh... Trying to find my way over there. Uh, but it, you know, it, like it, it looks. I, I'm very interested in the Stargirl show, uh, just because it's Jeff Johns doing what he loves. He's show running for the first time. He's had so much experience getting these shows and movies off the ground. I mean, the next three movies that DC has coming out were written by Jeff Johns, and I think all three of them will be successes. And unfortunately, the new head of DC is probably going to get, or the new head of DC Films is probably going to get all the credit for it. Uh, and that sucks because Jeff Johns is the one who made them happen. Uh, between Aquaman, Shazam, and Wonder Woman. I mean, Aquaman and Shazam are based directly on his comics, and he and he like co-wrote the screenplays for Wonder Woman 1984. He wrote the screenplay for, and Wonder Woman the first movie. He also wrote the screenplay for. Like, it, you know, it's he's pulling it's, their their movie franchises out of the out of the toilet, and he's not going to get any recognition for it in the mainstream. Yeah, and I've ranted about that before. It's just like okay, it cool. sucks. Okay. Um, I'm, but, glad, I'm, I'm glad because it needs to be ranted about. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, the DC Universe app, though, is debuting at $7.99 a month and will include comics, TV shows, movies, all that great stuff. Um, and the list is all curated. So the comic books that they're including is actually like stuff that they are kind of going through and choosing. Like, what is the best stuff for like new readers and and people who are discovering this? Like, what can we hand them that's really like the the you know best of the best? Wow. Um, when uh, was the app announced uh, for San Diego as well for pricing and stuff? Yeah, yeah, they didn't announce a uh, premiere date for the app, um, but it is coming this fall sometime. But yeah, it's seven ninety nine a month uh, is the full pricing for the. So app. this was. Did we just segue into the news that they're making an app? Oh no they 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 uh, they announced that they were making the app a while ago. Oh okay um, okay okay. Yeah, and they announced the the initial lineup uh, a while ago as well. But yeah, it's it's exactly what we've kind of been speculating that it was. I mean, we probably first talked about this possibility well over a year ago on this show. Um, oh, okay. I, I know that you and I had done it as a private conversation. Yeah, uh, and I didn't know if that was the you were talking about it. But yeah, that's. Uh, I think it's great that they're doing it. I, I feel like they're leapfrogging uh, Marvel because Marvel does seems like it has a pretty powerful presence online uh, with their marvel unlimited uh, thing but it seems like that's kind of as far as it's gone yeah exactly and i think this is the best way to do it where it's like you you have all of your stuff you know you've got your movies you've got your tv you've got your comics it's all there in one place um they don't have they don't have as much of their old movies and tv shows as you'd like i think you know like they don't have the um christopher nolan movies for instance uh Hmm. they don't have any of the cw shows um, oh, that's weird. You know, but but I think most of that's just because of rights. Uh, the yeah, CW it, shows true. they still have a contract with Netflix. Um, you yeah. know, and so a lot of that stuff is tied up there. But they do have like Batman the animated series. Um, you know, a lot of their animated movies and stuff. Like they they've got a lot of solid stuff in there. The Richard Donner movies and the Tim Burton movies. Um, it probably just needs to have uh, those contracts expire, and you're going to see those trickling back to that app, which absolutely. is sad for me because I do have a Netflix one, but there's a good chance that I'm going to check out this DC one 
anyway. Just because yeah. I mean, there's so much that they're. If it were just comics, honestly, I probably wouldn't because I already own a ton of comics. But yep. they're bringing me in as a. It's funny. It's like I'm like the. I don't think I'm the main audience for who they're shooting for, but they may get me because of um, they're bringing in the cartoons and they're bringing shows and stuff. Where, well, maybe that's exactly who they're. I don't know, but I'm not going there for the comics because I already read so much of them. Yeah, totally. But they are they're smart. They're they're making it all their their own thing. I'm sure Disney's all over that. And uh, is that news that you are going to talk about Disney? Uh, Disney has not made any official announcements on when their app's coming out and what it'll include. I mean, they've talked mm. about like they're doing a Star Wars live action show. Um, they've teased I meant, some things. I meant the other big Disney news. Uh, enlighten me. Twenty first century Fox. Like I know that oh, yeah, they've yeah. been talking it, about yeah, talking board, about it, but isn't it approved, official? That, that's isn't still it a f- kind of meaningless. It's the board. Oh, okay. The board approved the merger, but it's still not done until the government says it's done until the FCC clears it. Um. Oh, is it? Does it have to go through the FCC for this one? Oh, yeah. So large. Yeah. There, there's like there's so much regulation. This is just like the beginning of the process. Uh, oh, okay. Well, then never mind. You know, AT and T announced their acquisition of Time Warner. Uh, like a year and a half ago, and it's still not even close to being finished. Um, so this this is still a ways away. Like, and anyone I'll speculating, anyone speculating that any of the Fox Marvel films are like being put on hold or anything like that, absolutely not the case. Uh, Fox right now is operating basically under the assumption that they will still have to operate on their own. That's how they have to operate under business right now. They can't just give up because if suddenly the government says no, we don't want to let this go through. They can't just like have nothing on the slate. So despite the fact that New Mutants and Dark Phoenix had a bunch of delays and stuff like that, that's on Fox. That's them wanting to reshape those movies and finding, you know, the right slots for them after trying to reshape them. Um, For instance, with Dark Phoenix, the biggest reason why Dark Phoenix was delayed so long is because Sophie Turner, after they were done shooting Dark Phoenix, Sophie Turner went back into Game of Thrones land and they had her reserved for months and they needed to reshoot her scenes. Um and so it's 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 the logistical thing. Like when you when when a movie gets delayed, they can't just put it into the next week or the next week. They have all of these things, especially a big studio like Fox. They have all of these weeks planned out. They have things that are supposed to be released that week. And so if they were to take X Men and put it three weeks later, they probably have another movie that's already scheduled three weeks later, and X Men would greatly overshadow that. So they'd just be losing out money. So they have to find another time slot which is oftentimes a year down the road that is actually open where they're not competing with their own business. Um, Crazy. Yeah. And so all this speculation that like, you know, Fox is just like waiting for Disney to take them over and putting all their Marvel franchises on hold. It's absolutely not the case. That's just not how this industry works Uh, with the amount of acquisitions that have been announced and not gone through before. You know, all of these studios have to act as if the merger is not going through. And then once, if and when it does go through, then they figure out how to sort of, you know, make those things happen. And I'm sure they have those backup plans there. But right now they're absolutely planning on Dark Phoenix, New Mutants, Gambit, X-Force, Deadpool 3. Like they are 100% planning on going forward with those movies up until everything is finalized. So, so I like coming to Jason, very up to date and knowledgeable <laughs> about the, the the little details. I just, having having worked for large companies that have tried to absorb other companies. So for background on this, uh, I worked for AT and T when AT and T tried to acquire T Mobile 
and then was not able to and still spent all that money on T-Mobile that T-Mobile then used to totally rebrand and relaunch their company. Uh, <laughs> Which That's is crazy. Funny. Like, it's the dumbest thing ever that AT&T can spend billions of dollars on a company and then not get the company, but also still have given that money away. Um, it's it's a pretty, weird thing. But, crazy. You know, and then I also worked for AT&T when AT&T acquired DirecTV, and that took, you know, like two years before it was actually a fully integrated thing. And meanwhile, the entire time, all of the messaging was the, from the company was still operate as if everything is normal. And it was the same thing that happened when they tried to acquire T-Mobile. Uh, you know, and then later on, I end up working for T-Mobile, and they start talking about merging with Sprint. Uh, and again, the messaging was operate as if everything is totally normal, and this isn't going to happen because there's a chance it won't. And as we see now, like I, I have not worked for T-Mobile in two years, uh, and those talks were happening while I was working for them, and it is still not anywhere close to being like what you would even consider anywhere near done. Um, and so it's just these, these things, they don't, an impending acquisition does not affect any business decisions that happen right now because every single executive is on a quarterly goal basis and they are looking at what is happening in the next quarter, not what's happening in two years. Um, you heard it here first. It's official. Disney buys, (laughs) Disney buys, uh, 21st Century Fox. I, I mean, I, I personally think it will happen. It's just Probably. they're they're still going to go forward with whatever their slate is for the next couple of years, regardless, and they're not going to let this affect their plans until they have a new boss. Um, yeah, exactly. You don't worry about the boss you might have. You worry about the one you have right now. That's absolutely anybody, anybody doing a job can tell you that. Yep. Uh, other Comic Con news: Kelly Sue DeConnick is taking over Aquaman. This is in addition to her DC Black Label Wonder Woman book. Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick is doing her second DC book, which is the Aquaman main series. Um, and she says she's, uh, kind of doing a, a sort of daredevil born again, Batman year one type thing, uh, with, uh, with Aquaman. Um, really, that's an interesting phrase or phrase, but like, okay. Apparently in the story, Arthur Curry washes up on an island with no memory of who he is. Uh, While attempting to rediscover who he is, he meets former sea gods that have been forgotten and were also marooned on the island themselves. Oh, that sounds cool. Oh, my God. I'm really down. That's a good idea. I'm glad DeConnick's finally doing some DC work. I I love her creator-owned work, I think, more than anything, but uh, it's it's about time she, she dabbles in the DC universe a little bit. Wow. That's, I mean, that's a great sounding book. Yeah. Uh, really cool. Uh, awesome. Yeah, man. W- Want to read uh, that? Last couple things here. Uh, Mark Silvestri is doing a Batman and Joker series. Uh, it's been a while since Mark Silvestri has done any uh, ongoing series, especially with art, um, especially at the big two as well. Uh, you know, they, they tend to do this every once in a while, uh, the Top Cow people, which I do enjoy, where it's like, you know, Let's let's go do a mainstream book and then go back to our top cow stuff and and you know sort of bring more people aboard. Um, I have been digging into a lot of Sylvester's old stuff lately with like Cyberforce and other things. I do enjoy his work. I don't necessarily need another Batman Joker story, but you know we'll see how it is first, I guess before I uh, before I give any judgment. Um, but I, I am excited to see him doing uh, sequential work again. Yeah, uh, my fear though is the I, I'm I'm stoked too. I want it to all work out, but. I can't help but think about when he was doing Hulk and what happened with that. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, and that was just uh, in the last uh, seven years. 
Yeah, something uh, like that. I mean that's it's uh I mean that is a long time, but they they didn't give him the proper lead time mm-hmm. and then they changed it from a mini series to an ongoing. Yeah. And he did like one issue. Yep. And they were like, Oh, well, we're gonna have six issues and it was at the first issue, incredible. Absolutely incredible. And then they brought in someone else because he takes a long time because he puts in lots of detail. So I yeah. hope that I mean, they learn know, from their mistakes from another I mean, company. Well, and the thing that we we always see, and and it literally like it's never it's never not happened this way. Uh, but when you are a superstar artist who is the head of their own company, uh, and you are making lots and lots of money, deadlines stop becoming as much of an issue and maybe it's because you're so busy with all of the other stuff that it becomes harder to meet those deadlines who knows what it is but you know it's it happened with rob liefeld it happened with jim lee it's happened with mark silvestri like it happened with todd mcfarlane you know it's it's and even with eric larson right like you know savage dragon uh has you know experienced further and further delays the longer it's gone because i think it is you know like larson's a partner at image he's fairly comfortable he also has obviously a lot of stuff to do with image, uh, you know, and so it's it's just one of those things. Like I, I just don't think you get to that point. I don't think you can ever try and rely on one of these guys for a monthly book, um, you no know, way. unless you have no all, way. yeah, like unless you have all of the issues already in the can, you know, the way the exactly. Skybound does it or something. Don't announce it as a monthly. You know, DC keeps doing this time and time again with Jim Lee. <laughs> they announce him as the artist on something and say it's going to be a monthly book and they'll have like six issues in the can but it's a 10 issue series and then all of a sudden you get to issue seven and you're like uh we've got a delay uh you know every it happened time. with superman every unchained time. yeah it happened with justice superman unchained. League. it happened with justice league it happened with immortal men which is the most recent one uh and he only ended up doing like an issue and a half of immortal men before he was off that series uh you know it's 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 just one of those things like you know it I, I think it's like I, I hope that they're finally learning their lesson and I hope that this Sylvester series is one that, you know, will come out on the monthly basis. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and it's also one of those reasons that I kind of think like, especially with Black Label, originally the plan was to release these books as graphic novels. Exactly. Uh, Why not just do that? That sounds great. Do and that. They, they, they backed out of that and I, I wish they hadn't because I think that would have really pushed the medium forward. Uh you know, and, and kind of force people to a little bit. And, you know, I think with someone like Mark Silvestri, that's exactly how you do it. You go, okay, we will solicit this book when it's done. You know, like we finish everything, then we solicit it. Three months later, it comes out and it is a full story. Uh, you know, hopefully they start doing that. I mean, that's what they're doing with Zoom and Ink. And so hopefully those two things are so successful that they decide to start doing that more with their mainstream books. But either way, I'm, I mean, I'm curious. This is to see a good time as a reader to start supporting those zoom and ink books if you are more of a person that likes trades like i mean this jason and i and we'll find any angle to try to support <laughs> that but uh we we prefer the trade uh release over because that's i want to trade at the end of the day i don't want a single issue i'm not there to collect i'm not collecting single issues i'm reading comics exactly i'm the same way i'm not, I'm not a collector really and i know that many many series still do kind of survive on their single issues especially creator own yep. series absolutely they do it sucks but that's but, that is also the case yeah but but every single year you know the the book market and the trade paperback market take up more and more of the the share you know and it's like and i'm not i'm not necessarily saying like let's just drop the single issue format altogether but i think that if if you were to do 
less of those single issues. If you were to start doing these original series, you would find that a lot of the people, you know, buying these single issues would have no problem switching over to trades, you know, that they're just wanting a good story. And so however that's released, they'll go after it. And And the first time it's the least. Yeah. And I really think that like that Snyder and Capullo Batman story, for instance, I think would have been the perfect way to test that. You know, where you go, look, guaranteed mega hit. Yeah. Like people are buying Snyder and Capullo on Batman no matter what. It does not matter what format it's released in. It could be a totally different size. It could be a digital exclusive. It does not matter. They will come to buy it. And so, and it was, I know that when Murphy, when Sean Murphy was on this series and when it got dropped from All-Star and became its own thing, they were planning on doing it as a graphic novel. I know that Sean Murphy talked about that in interviews without necessarily saying explicitly, but this was what he was talking about is that this was going to be a graphic novel with Scott and then at some point they changed that. When they first announced Black Label, all of these books were supposed to be graphic novels. Uh, you know, and then at some point along the way, they, they decided to, to back out of that. And it's, I don't know, I, I just really think that would have been the best way to do it is you go here. We've got Snyder and Capullo. Here's this graphic novel. The whole story's there. Have at it. You know, Missed opportunity, and then, man. Yeah, and then from that, it's like, all right, now we've got, you know, Kelly Sue DeConnick and Phil Jimenez's Wonder Woman. You know, we've got Brian Azzarello's Batman and Constantine story. Like, you know, you keep releasing these things. And and especially, like, once the ball's rolling, once your first one is out, you, you know, can start to have, like, that sort of one black label book every month, right? Like, you've got enough of these announced. I think they do have, like, 10 series announced by now for black label. Like, you could just basically, every single month, there's a new black label graphic novel coming out, whether it's Three Jokers or... Uh, you know, freaking Superman year one or whatever. Like it's just, it's a line of graphic novels rather than just more single issues, uh, you know, that are slightly different format. Like, I don't know. In the imaginary world where you're in charge of black label, do you do an initial release of a hardcover or do you go straight to trade? Um, initial release of a hardcover for the Snyder and Capullo book. And actually I think in general, because I think that's what Black Label's going for. It wants to be like a prestige format, like a premier type of book, you know, the the one that, you know, it's gotcha. for mature readers. It's it's like an HBO sort of presentation, you know, it's this more oh, mature, yeah, more polished thing. Yeah. And so, and again, it's like, you know, if if there's any creative team that people would be willing to spend that extra money on, it'd be Snyder and Capullo. Uh, you know, so you, Maybe they you feel release... like they, they could get it twice to get people on singles and then they can get them on a trade for Snyder yeah. and Capullo. Yeah, you do it. You do a twenty to twenty-five dollar, uh, you know, hardcover. Like it's one hundred and fifty pages, so they probably do twenty-five. Uh, you know, but I mean, that thing would sell like hotcakes, man. I guess it makes sense, and that's why they're releasing it as a forty-eight page, is because the structure they've done it is doesn't match up at all mm-hmm. to a single issue. Yeah, and 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 that's what I will say is that DC is trying a lot of new stuff, and I really commend them for that. Like they're trying a lot of new stuff. They have these hundred-page, you know, sort of anthology books going out to Walmart, which I'm super excited about. Um, have you have picked DC's, one of those up yet? I haven't picked one of them up yet because there's no freaking Walmart near me. Is there one? Have you have you gone to find one? I haven't gone to Walmart since the announcement or the the release. So no, yeah. I haven't touched it yet. But I've seen I pictures find, online, I mean, and they look they look cool. They do look really cool, and I'm glad that they're on classic comic book paper. I mean, it's it's an American version of Shonen Jump, uh, and that's one of the things that really cemented my love of comics was Shonen Jump. Um, and so I, I'm stoked for that, and I can't wait to start seeing su- uh, Tom King's Superman and Brian Bendis and Nick Darrington's uh, Batman. Like That's when I'll really definitely just bite the bullet and drive 30 minutes to a Walmart. 
Um, <laughs> it's weird that I yeah. live in L- like that. There's no WalMarts in LA. It's so crazy. That's but, strange. Uh, but no, I, I'm so excited about that. And like DC Inc. and DC Zoom, like you know, really targeting the and and again, original graphic novels like trade paperbacks, digest size, or whatever. Uh, they are trying these new things, and that was like that was the thing with Black Label that I was like, yes, like this is you know they're they're pushing the medium forward, um, you know. But but I I mean I, I don't know maybe maybe they'll end up pivoting to that at some point. Uh, but I I just I don't I don't think the releasing in the prestige format like forty eight pages as much as that's exciting like more story and all that stuff. I just I feel like that's a not quite the way to do it. I don't know. I think they're trying to have their cake and eat it too on that one. Yeah. Uh, we're in um, agreement, and I'm. Uh, I like that not everyone does everything the same way. It's one of the yeah. reasons I love comics so much is that there is stuff out there for. I can I can appreciate something that I dislike because someone yeah. else loves it, and I'm that makes me happy. But yeah, and it's okay that they're not following our lead, but no, I think yeah, that totally. there's there's something there though. I think we're both in agreement that that's. That's a format that's very popular. Barnes mm-hmm. and Noble barely carries single issues, and if they did, and they do carry them, but good luck finding them. Yeah, like, and, and, yeah, and it's like same with libraries, a and it's it's hard to like find them in series. And and I mean the thing is with Black Label, since it's not in continuity really, or you know, or since it kind of is outside continuity, like it wouldn't necessarily matter if you release it all at once in terms of like the publishing schedule and and the timeline, you know. Uh, so it would yeah, be the perfect exactly. format to do that in. Um, Okay, this is depressing. We got to move on. <laughs> it's okay. I, regardless, <laughs> I'm, I'm get, still uh, super excited for those books. Um, you, you're right. Yeah. So let's focus on that part. Those stories yeah. look great, and at the end of the day, that's what matters is the story that we're reading. We're just we're get getting yeah. butthurt over formatting stuff. So and, and I'm back to the thing. I'm excited about Kelly Sue DeConnick joining Aquaman. That's been a great book consistently yeah. for the last like seven years. Um, and so I, I'm good. stoked about that. Uh, good pitch. And then the last. The last little bit is comic book related, but not comic books. Um, Tom King uh, has a TV series in development. Savage Land brought to you by Tom King. Sorry. What? I know, right? <laughs> uh, this is not an adaptation. This is uh, an original TV series that Tom King has developed called States of America. Um, it is described as a story about a deeply divided U.S. Uh, with that, that with an unprovoked act of war has been forced to suffer foreign occupation for the sake of tentative peace. Uh, combining the thrill and intrigue of speculative fiction and the, with the modern fears and anxiety of the war on terror, uh, the series explores a world where the old small differences that divide this country have become the war cries of new nations. Uh, Interesting. This, yeah. This Tom seems like is Tom the guy King... that did the, was in the CIA? Yes, yes. <laughs> Just casually. It was actually a part yeah, of Yeah, it was CIA. an active duty <laughs> counter-terrorist operative in the CIA. Uh, this is not fiction this is the author this is the author (laughs) this is Tom King the author yes Uh, this seems like he's very much you know sort of drawing on that experience and his his thoughts on you know on war and politics and stuff like that so I'm very interested in where this TV show goes I do know he said in interviews that he kind of hates working in TV Uh, (laughs) that he heavily (laughs) prefers comics Um, well we'll see how it goes then good luck Tom it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm like, you know, good luck. But at the same time, it doesn't necessarily sound like he really wants this series to go forward just because it will probably mean that he won't be able to do as many comics. And, you know, it's also, you know, ha- like having worked in TV, it is a situation where like it is 100% about compromise, you know, like 
a successful TV show is about having an original vision and being okay with things not being how you wanted them to be and compromising on this thing and that thing and this thing and that thing. And, you know, until you finally reach a happy medium where you're okay with what comes out. Uh, Jesus. And that's, and that can be a beautiful thing and it can be a real testament to the power of collaboration on a large scale. Um, but I think with, you know, with an author, especially one like Tom King, who is so used to such an intimate, uh, creative process, I think that can be very taxing. And it's also just the amount of time that working on a TV show demands of you. Uh, especially if you're like a showrunner or executive producer or something that can be tough and not everybody's Jeff Johns. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a comic. Got it. Movie nailed it. TV show <laughs> done. Yeah. Yeah. And not everybody can do that all at the same time, but some people do it very well. I mean, Brian Hill is a good example. He has consistently been working in both TV and comics and, taking on more and more work all the time and still consistently coming out on deadline. Uh, and so I, I think he could do it, but yeah, it, just listening to him in interviews and stuff like that, as much as it sounds like he's very passionate about this project, I don't know if he's really wanting to like <laughs> have this thing take off super soon. I think maybe he wants to wait until after his Batman run is done to, to look at this yeah. further. Interesting. Well, um, good luck, Tom. Yeah. Uh, the last bit of news, and this is crazy. This is kind of weird. So you've you've heard of this uh Joker origin movie that Martin Scorsese is producing, right? Uh no. No. Okay. I heard that there was a Joker movie in the works, but not Scorsese. Okay. So yeah, there there are a few Joker movies in the works. Uh this is one of them, and this one's kind of an Elseworlds movie, it seems. Uh this movie is produced by Martin Scorsese. Uh, directed by Todd Phillips, who directed um, The Hangover, uh, and okay. is starring Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. Uh, okay. This is all existing news. Uh, the news that has come out now is that uh, Robert De Niro, Mark Marin, uh, and let's see, well, who else? Um, Sorry, Robert De Niro, Mark Marin, uh, Zossi Beats, who played Domino, um, and uh, um, Francis Conroy have all joined the cast in undisclosed roles. Jesus. Yeah, so Joaquin Phoenix is playing the Joker. Robert De Niro and Mark Marin and Zossi Beats are all joining him. Uh, this seems like a very Killing Joke inspired story. Um, I think it seems it's going to be kind of a combination of the Killing Joke and Martin Scorsese's movie. Um, the ah shit, I just lost it. It's um, about a comedian. Uh, something, 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 something. Yep. Wait the the King of Comedy. King of Comedy. Famous. God damn. Yeah. Why was I, I? I like it was in my head two minutes ago. And oh, I just watched that like a uh, couple months ago for the first oh. time. Well, yeah, it, it seems great, like so. It seems flick. like this this Joker movie is a is a fusion of the King of Comedy and uh, the Killing Joke. That's uh, that could work. And Scorsese is obviously great. I mean, that's and the Hangover director. That's an interesting choice. Uh, could be good. Uh, what are you, what are the odds of this actually making it to theaters? That's the thing. Is initially when this was first announced, I was kind of just like, no way. Um, I, I, I thought there was a million to one chance that it actually makes it there. However, uh, I mean, they are, they are gearing up. Like they, I think they even announced a release date. Uh, yeah. October 4th, Whoa. 2019. They have a release date. This is Whoa. going. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I like it because it's a lower budget movie. They're doing it for like eighty million as opposed to you know like the two hundred million that everything else is getting. Um, yeah. They're, Interesting. They're, yeah. I don't know well, what to make I, of it. You know what I? I don't know what to make of it either. I would give it a chance. Just, honestly, almost the small budget makes mm-hmm. me more interested, not less, just because uh, I feel like part of the reason big superhero movies when they fail they fail because there's just there's no too much polish too many movie part too many moving parts that's less mm-hmm. focused there yep. has it has very little focus and that's my, always my criticism of them it's like you know they don't know what they're doing when they yeah. when they're fucking it up and it sounds like that this is an opportunity for it's just like when you have an 80 million dollar budget you're like okay we have to go here we have to go here like we need mm-hmm. to do this there's just no other options because everything else is going to cost us like three times as much money yeah exactly and i think i think it's what makes some movies successful you know i think it's what made uh deadpool successful i think it's what made get out successful i think that there's a lot of movies where like having a slimmer budget and having to make those creative choices is really beneficial yeah Uh, i think i think think walking phoenix is a phenomenal actor i think he could be a perfect casting choice for the joker honestly um i'd be interested to see what his take is on it because he's more of a reserved actor he's still really mm -hmm. good but he's more reserved, and that's not very jokery. But that could be amazing. I think, I especially think if it's for a killing joke. Yeah, and I think if it's if it's an origin story like the Killing Joke, you know, with that King of Comedy sort of influenced on it, like oh, you could, it could sort yeah, of be, yeah. you know, you're like watching this guy go insane. You know what I mean? Like you're watching him break. You're watching him hit his last straw before he finally snaps. Uh, it's quite the departure to have. Jared Leto, I don't know if I don't follow the news. Obviously, that's why I'm a guest today. But uh, is Jared Leto still uh, slated for future Joker movies? <laughs> that's that's the thing. Yes, he has uh, his Joker movie. Uh, he somehow convinced DC to give him a Joker movie. Uh, he also will be, I think, in Suicide Squad two, which is apparently coming up pretty soon. That they'll start production. He Gross. will Keep also going. probably be in the. Um, there's like a Harley and Joker movie that's also planned. And then there's I'm also okay another <laughs> Harley Quinn solo movie that's also planned. Okay with that. And then there's also a Gotham City Sirens movie that's also planned. Who's the Sirens this time? Uh, I think it's still going to be like Catwoman, Poison Ivy, and Harley. Um, I'm fine with that. And I think even in addition to that, I think there is also a Birds of Prey movie that will somehow involve Harley. <laughs> of course. Uh, well, um uh... I'm fine with all of that, all of that honestly, because I mean, there's a reason why it's popular. Is because DC, some of the few things that they do well, uh, not I shouldn't say that because I'm talking about the comics. It just seems like the adaptation stuff for Harley Quinn just tends to just be not only popular but good. And so, yeah, and, and I mean, she was the, a great part of Suicide Squad. Totally, and I mean, the the one area that Suicide Squad succeeded in was merchandising. I mean, they made a killing on merchandising for Suicide Squad. And I so bet. that's that's why you're seeing 50 spin-offs of that franchise because they're like, well shit, that was our biggest money maker uh in terms of merchandising, you know, f- commercially for the film itself, obviously Wonder Woman was a much bigger success, but uh merchandising-wise Suicide Squad is just huge for them. So yeah, they're going to milk that Harley Quinn uh uh you know, thing as as far as they can. I I think that there's an opportunity here to have a really amazing Suicide Squad sequel where they're like, 
Amanda Waller's fired or there's a new director and it's like you thought that these guys could take on Superman who what kind yeah. of an idiot put a team together of a guy with like a a girl a crazy girl with face makeup and a baseball bat to take on <laughs> Superman like this yeah. is what if Superman what if Superman went into the White House and killed the president who would stop him oh I know Captain Boomerang <laughs> what <laughs> Great no, not one of those people could even hold a candle to him. Like you, you can't shoot bullets at him. You can't throw a boomerang at him. You can't hit him with your hammer. You can't light him on fire. Like none of you serve any Nothing. purpose against Superman. So why include that line? Why have that be the conceit on which the team is formed? Because that's illogical. It's, it doesn't make anyway. Yeah, that's a bummer. Because that's the Suicide Squad is such a great idea for a movie. Yeah, it's wonderful. And they um, fucked it. I mean, we're not the first yeah, person, nor will we be the last to, to say yeah. they fucked that up. All they had to do was make the raid or dread. Like they, you, you just have a movie oh where God, you're sending yeah. in this team of bad guys to take down the Joker. You know, you get your emotional conflict of Harley being forced to like come after the man she loves. You, you have this amazing thing where there's distrust on the team. They're all super villains. They don't know what to do. Everyone's got a mixed history of the Joker. You know, the Suicide Squad is kind of making a, a mess of things. And so Batman comes in to try and prevent it. And so you have your sort of other obstacle there. And then maybe at the end, it turns out it wasn't even Joker the whole time. Sure. Who knows? I'm fine with that. Well, multiple Joker movies, they weren't slowed down at all by Suicide Squad. That's no, crazy. they were not. They have they have Double like down. seventeen movies in some stage of development right now, and I'm sure that eventually that's going to have to get thinned out. Um, oh, and then uh, last bit of news, and then we're finally done. Uh, friend of the show, Zach Kaplan, who's joined the show a bit, uh, a few times at this point. Uh, it was just announced that his comic book Eclipse uh, has been uh, picked up for development by Skybound, Robert Kirkman's company. Um, this was actually something that Zach told us back in like October uh, when he was on the show for the second time, he told us about this uh, in his interview and uh, we were not able to post it because nothing was announced. Um, and so we, we had to actually cut all of that stuff out of the interview um, in addition to some other stuff, but that's not, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but this, so it's it's finally out in the public. Zach Kaplan uh, has Eclipse being developed for TV by Skybound and Robert Kirkman, um, and that's very exciting. Cool choice, I'm cool choice of uh, totally. project and Skybound. I love seeing Sky. Obviously, we're huge uh, yeah. Image and Skybound fanboys, and seeing their 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 platform growing is awesome. Yeah, and it's great news for Zach. I mean, Zach, Zach's a great guy, um, and he, yeah. he does come from a film background, and, and so to oh, see his comics... Yeah, he, he went to That's USC cool. Film School, actually, um, to, oh, to see his comics coming to life for, for film and TV, and I think Eclipse is one of these properties that like could really make an amazing TV show. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's more conceptual than it is like a physical thing, like zombies or whatever. It's, it's a world that you don't yeah. need a crazy sets for or but you yeah. still could if you wanted to and the vi- the visuals of this book i think are so striking that you know if they were to to be brought to life in in television i think it would make an instant impact because there's nothing out there that looks like eclipse um yeah that's for sure so but yeah I'm, I'm excited about that it's great for zach and and we'll have zach back on the show at some point soon to talk about it um they're just sending messages back and forth uh earlier today so we'll we'll have something on the books pretty soon um anyway but that is all of the news this has been a mega-sized episode we said we were getting near the end like an hour ago but then we got on tangents 
we tangent hard that's this is why we have our own podcast if you sat through this much much appreciated and if you somehow want more of us talking <laughs> we've got our our own podcast comic book workshop but uh thank you for having me man uh, yeah of course no i i appreciate you filling in um for the regular savage land listeners uh matt and rachel will be back next week and we'll be talking about all sorts of stuff i don't know what it'll be yet but it'll be fun and it'll be nice to talk to them again because it's been a few weeks um yeah but yeah, thanks. Thank thanks for you, filling thank in, you, Kent. Savages. I, I've always wanted to be on the air and say savages. Thanks. Thank you, all these savage <laughs> listeners. This, this is great. <laughs> thank um, you. Let them, let them know where they can find you on uh, on the social medias and stuff. Oh, uh, thank you. A chance to plug. I will take. Uh, <laughs> you can find me at Kent Heidelman at pretty much all social media stuff. That's K E N T H E I D E L M A N. Uh, you can just Google it as well, and you can also uh, oh, and Instagram is my main one. So head mm. head over there, please, and thank oh, yeah. you. And then uh, I do have a free comic. I am a comic creator, a writer, artist. I did my own comic called Scariest and Screamforth. Uh, you can read oh, it for yeah. free at scariestandscreamforth dot com. Uh, Super wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, still ongoing. Still working on that. Uh, but uh, yeah, go go check it out and give me little comments. I love I love reading what your thoughts are. Um, but yeah, Jason, again, thank you so much for having me on the show. I, I love talking comic news and getting it from <laughs> you because it. I like getting the. Um, it's like oh, here's the headline, cool. But then your take on it and like where you've um, see things. You pay attention to this stuff a lot more than I do, and you are more tuned into the uh, <laughs> where the dominoes are coming from and where they're going more than there's little other little angles where you're like oh it's this little thing connection you're like oh i didn't realize that yeah interesting so appreciate Thanks, it man, man. Uh, this is a this is the best way for me to get my news i feel spoiled i'm like oh, oh it's oh that was good news that was really good news <laughs> delicious Thanks, news man. from jason i uh i appreciate it um yeah. and for for all the listeners out in listener land uh you can follow our show on uh instagram at savage land podcast that's where uh, rachel is posting all sorts of our uh, fun goodness that she finds all over the internet and then you can find us on twitter at savage land pod where uh myself and rachel uh will talk to you matt just matt matt never socials he's always he's anti-social um but uh you can find us on both of those platforms um and if you would like to leave a rating on itunes uh please do so it helps other people find the show and if you're going to leave us a rating uh giving a little review along with that rating uh helps even more um, make sure you do that. We will shout you out on the show if you do. Uh, but that covers it all today. You can find me on Twitter at that might be cool and on Instagram at a white kid. And for Kent and myself and the absent Rachel and Matt, we hope you've enjoyed your time in the Savage Land. Be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>